Hello from Ellensburg, Washington, USA. This is the Nick Zetner Geology Podcast, Episode 77, GSA in Portland. Thanks for listening. Well, it's very early on a Thursday morning. Back to school today. I've been out of town for the last five days or so. I was in Portland, Oregon. I was at the Geological Society of America annual meeting. And I don't know about your line of work and if there's some sort of convention or national meeting or something to be up on the latest kind of air conditioner or whatever <laughs> whatever it is you do. But in uh, geology, at least in this country, there's a big meeting, a big conference that happens every fall, usually in October. And, uh, you know, it changes location. Quite often it's in Denver, Colorado, but it, it changes uh, city uh, with each year. And uh, I typically do not attend. I've been to a couple meetings. I think one time I went to a big GSA meeting in Baltimore and another one in Phoenix. And I swore to myself on the airplane coming back, it's like, I'm not going to these things unless they're in the Northwest because there's so many sessions, there's so many geology talks and geology poster sessions that really have nothing to do with the Pacific Northwest. And to be honest, I, I continue to be uh, working with the idea that I'm, I'm Washington-centric, I'm Pacific Northwest-centric. There's just too much out there to keep up with what's going on. And so... I'm kind of kind of working with that model that I, I'm only going to these meetings if they're unless they're in the Northwest. Well, Portland, Oregon, is in the Pacific Northwest, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, I was excited to go to the meeting, and I had a very good time. And I'd like to give you a quick report, just kind of a, as usual, chaotic kind of uh, no planning here, just kind of going through my notes just real quickly, and we'll see what comes out. Before I go to my little notebook here, um, let me give you a couple more general comments. Um, let's see, went down on Saturday, drove down, brought my bicycle, found a neighborhood, stayed in an Airbnb. I like visiting new neighborhoods in, in Portland and the Sabin neighborhood, which is a good 25-minute bike ride to the convention center. Northeast Portland, I guess you would call it. Uh, really enjoyed that neighborhood. Just block after block after block of beautiful bungalow homes. And, uh, you know, classic uh, October weather, sun, and changing colors and the whole thing. Just great experience there. Um, Sunday morning, bright and early, before 8 o'clock, I'm rolling in and everybody needs masks. Everybody in the convention center, everybody needs masks, uh, even though, you know, you're, you're showing that uh, you were doubly vaccinated and that you have a negative test and the whole thing, but still the masks. Okay. It was just great to be back in person among, among everyone, and everyone was very compliant with the, the mask thing, so at, you get to a point where you don't even really notice it. I did shoot two videos. I brought my gizmo and uh, microphones and my little backpack as I'm walking around. And I, I had a plan for one, and, and the other one was unplanned. The planned one involved uh, Chelsea. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, God. 
No prep, you know. A gal named Chelsea McFeeny something. Oh boy. Uh, uh, there's a dynamite map maker for Mountain Press books. She's got her own business, but she consults primarily with Mountain Press. Is that what it's called? Mountain Press in Missoula, Montana. So these roadside geology books, second edition, are, they are sexy books. They are sexy books. Those maps, the, the, the up-to-date information, it's just totally different than the first edition roadside books. And I use them a lot. And I heard from Chelsea. Oh, I mentioned this, I think, didn't I, in a, in a previous podcast? I did some videos in Idaho, and I heard from Chelsea through Twitter, and uh, I said, I, I want to highlight what you do. And so she was at Portland at the exhibit hall with all the roadside books and the Geology Underfoot books and the Washington or the uh, state geology books. And uh, so uh, I, I let her know that I was going to be showing up and uh, putting a microphone on her and talking to her. So I filmed, I don't know, whatever it was, 45 minutes with her. Uh, that'll be posted at some point. Really enjoyed visiting with Chelsea and, and showcasing her work. And she was just fun to talk to. She was kind of a spunky personality. And then the unplanned one was I went to some poster sessions. So if you're unaware, uh, the format for this GSA meeting is uh, there are many uh, sessions where there are professional geologists giving talks and there's a very rigid format you have pretty much a 15 minutes to do this talk technically a little bit less than that and if you didn't budget your time very well you get cut off and you're off the stage um, but it's typically like you know out of whatever it is 13 minute talk and you have all these slides that you're going through and and then there if there's time there's a couple of questions from the audience and they move right on to the next talk and there's thousands and thousands and thousands of talks and hundreds and hundreds of sessions. And uh, so we'll get to a few of the talks that I enjoyed uh, in particular in just a second. Uh, but there are also poster sessions where uh, next to the exhibit area, there's just rows and rows and rows of these posters organized by session sometimes. In other words, or organized by discipline, I guess I should say. And uh, sometimes it's graduate students presenting posters, sometimes it's professors, sometimes it's state geologists, etc. cetera. Uh, but if, if you have a poster session, that means that you truly have a poster with your latest results. And then there's a designated time where you stand next to your poster and then you visit with people. And so there's a little bit more intimate one-on-one. -on -one. Well, you know the name Erin Donaghy by now. I've talked about her a fair amount. She's the gal that works uh, as a Ph.D. student on research on the Olympic Peninsula and the Chumstick Formation, and next summer the Yakutat terrain and sediments up there in southeast Alaska. Uh, I visited her poster. I had my backpack, and I said, hey, you know what? I, there's not many people around, Aaron. How about we just uh, take our masks off and... Uh, I interview you here and she was up for it and that's like the third time I've had her on camera I'm a big fan and there's a lot of good work coming from her and she's a student of Michael Eddy at Purdue University 
and so I'm kind of invested that way as well. So those are the two videos that I uh, that will be coming out directly from the GSA conference. But I think the purpose of this radio episode talking about GSA Portland is to uh, just kind of rapid fire go through some of my other, um, uh, I guess, reactions, uh, reviews, I don't know, uh, of, of, of new talks that came through. And uh, uh, this will be awkward, actually. I didn't even think this out. I don't know if you're okay. A little, little peek behind the curtain here. I'm happy with this new laptop. I'm happy with this new microphone. Uh, the sound quality to me is acceptable. So I don't, I don't know if you've noticed, but but I have this little thing that I hold in front of the microphone. Do you know what? I don't even know what they're called. It's a screen or something. Like I need to get my face pretty close to the microphone, like it is right now. But I have this little thing. I'll take it away for a second. If I take this screen away, occasionally I'll say words that start with P and that'll kind of pop and it'll be whatever. I don't even know if I really need to use it. This isn't exactly a professional operation, but the reason I mention this is I'm putting it back now. The screen in front of, so I'm holding this thing in front of my face, in front of my mouth. So I'm holding this microphone screen, I guess what you call it. Um... So I'm holding it up with my left hand as I usually do when I talk into this microphone. Probably ruins the visual if you have it uh, for what I'm doing here down in, uh, next to the litter box in the basement of our home. But now I'm holding this, this notebook with my right hand and I'm holding the screen with my left hand and I, I'm out of hands to turn pages and stuff. So anyway, this will this will be a typical... Uh... You know what? I got one, I got one more... Uh general comment you know it's geologists from across the country I don't know what the number is but there, there's thousands of them and you know 30 years ago it was pretty much all felt like a bunch of older white gentlemen with beards and they're all dressed exactly alike with khakis and everything they, they actually Literally, the, the, they actually had a longest beard contest. I remember that. Denver, 1988. So we've come a long way as far as uh, there's ways, there's, 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 there are miles to go, right? But uh, we, we've come a long way to be uh, a little bit more diverse in who's there. And there's young and there's old and there's men and there's women and... Um, I, I'm hesitating. I don't know how to say it. Uh, a lot of people wanted to say hi. Let's just put it that way as I'm walking around. And I'm a solitary person. I don't spend a whole lot of time with a ton of people. I mean, so this is an intense experience. You're there from 7 in the morning until 7 at night. And either you're at a talk or you're at a poster or you're in the exhibits area or you're walking in between those things, or you're visiting with other geologists that you that you know, or former students that you see, you know, that sort of thing. Well, of course, this is different. I'm on camera a lot now. But you know what the surprise was to me? I, I lost track. I don't know, 15, 20? Geologists who are under 30, men and women, under 30, from across the country. And they say, I listened to that podcast. 
I don't watch your videos, but I, I listen to that podcast regularly. And I really enjoy it. And that was a, that was a, I really, I, I really enjoyed that. That I never really think specifically about who I'm speaking to, but I guess in general I assume I'm talking to kind of older people. You know, people in the live chat of the videos are typically older audience like me, you know, or older. And so it made me feel good that there's a bunch of kids, I'll say, just getting started. They're PhD students, they're master's students, they're undergrads. And, you know, they many of them were from the East Coast. It's like, I listen to you on my, you know, I'm in the bus in, uh, in Memphis, you know, I'm changing buses and I'm going to school and I listen to your podcast. And, uh, you know, a few of them said, I'm finally out here. I'm finally out here in the Northwest. And uh, all this stuff you've been talking about is like, it's not that far away, right? And I'm like, no, it's not that far away. I know you, you can't make it on this trip. You're at Portland and then you're going to be going back to school back in Tallahassee or whatever. But you're out here. Come on back. So I just thought I'd share that. That was a, a nice little uh, touch. I, again, I haven't spent a lot of time with the analytics with this audio podcast, but uh, it's getting out there, number one, and the fact that I'm talking to a bunch of younger people in addition to the usual crowd is uh, pleasing to me. And so if you're listening to this and we had a chance to visit briefly, um, I enjoyed uh, visiting with you. Thank you. Okay, the one-handed approach into the notebook, Sunday morning. I'm just going to, I don't know how I'm doing doing this, really. I'll just rapid fire give you a sense of who I listened to and who got good marks. I'm not going not gonna to talk about the crappy talks. There were plenty of those, too. Jay Chapman, University of Wyoming, talking about anatectic belts. I've never heard of cordier and anatectic belts. Uh, but he was kind of focusing on muscovite-bearing plutons. I barely understand what I'm talking about now. Representing crustal melting events, he was kind of, uh, kind of correlating or like synthesizing all these metamorphic core complexes from British Columbia down to Mexico and talking about kind of a coherent story. And you're like, tell me more about that. Well, I, I don't know. I just jotted down a few things. I'm just going <laughs> to, that, that's going to be the rest of this episode. I'm just going to give you fragments of names and concepts, basically, where I'm, I'm wanting to learn more. And the, the way this works is I will usually email. In fact, I have a little list in my back page here in the notebook of people I'm going to email and just follow up and say, I loved your talk. Could I get your paper? Could I get your poster? Can I learn more? Can, can we converse about your work down the road somewhere? And this is kind of how I work, you know, with these, this, these new live streams coming this winter, etc. Uh, I'm just looking for new ideas. Skip that one. Bad talk. Next one. Uh, Aaron Young Dahl from University of Idaho doing some sort of black magic as far as I was concerned. In other words, I didn't understand the, the data she was sharing. She did a nice job, but it's just my, my problem. But she was reconstructing topography in the early Eocene. Like, I can't even find... Yeah, I didn't even write down the data because I didn't get it, but she was reconstructing the fact that there were 16,000-foot mountain peaks 
in the Pacific Northwest for like 30 million years. Kind of the Colville, Kamloops area, the, in other words, where those chalice magmas are located today, she had ways to reconstruct these crazy peaks stretching into southwest Montana from like 53 to 23 million years ago. Next. Uh, Sarah Davis. Oh boy, I didn't write down where she was from. Loved her talk. Why did I love it? Uh, oh, you're right. Um, she's been studying Ocean Ridge subduction. Now, I guess this is only going to work for the, the Cracker Jack uh, radio episode, people. In other words, you, you have our past 10 radio episodes in your head. Like That's nobody. But basically, I don't have time to go back and give you the context for all this. But we were, last spring, talking about the chalice magmas, and we were talking about tectonic models where we have an ocean spreading ridge offshore that's subducting beneath the Pacific Northwest. It's not happening anymore, of course. Well, guess what's happening right now in South America? The Nazca Ridge is subducting. There is a southward migration of that over the last 15 million years, and Sarah Davis from somewhere uh, is documenting that and, and uh, talking about uh, the, well, uh, interesting talk and really interesting parallels with what was going on here in the Pacific Northwest during the Eocene. And this goes all the way back to Mike Eddy and these other t folks debating whether it was a southward migrating triple junction or a northward migrating triple junction. Moving on. Skip. Not impressed. Uh, Jesse Mossolf from Montana Tech. He's a field mapper uh, based out of Butte, whatever the name of the agency is in Montana. Uh, basically a report on all the mapping he's been doing and some of his uh, uranium-lead zircon dating. And he's got plenty of uh, new info about the Dillon Volcanic Group and the Chalice Magmas in southwestern Montana. I enjoyed talking to him afterwards. Usually if it's a talk I'm very excited by, I make it a point to track them down somewhere if I, if I happen to see them later and, uh, and thank them for the talk. And So I did that with Jesse a couple times. Uh, moving on, listen to Jennifer Kasbaum uh, from Yale. I hadn't uh, uh, seen her in action before. She wrote a very important paper a few years ago on some of the new dating of silicic units within the inner beds of the Columbia River Basalt Group. Um, she's continuing in the mid-Miocene along those lines. Uh, Megan Anderson from the Washington Geological Survey. We're still on, we're Sunday afternoon now. This is still day one. <laughs> uh, talking about uh, mapping and geophysical info on the Doty Fault and the Brooklyn Fault in western Washington. Many of these are not Eocene topics, but they were just interesting to me, and then I, I will be eventually using them somehow in, in what I do. I'm skipping now, so I can't even read my notes easily in this dimly lit room. Uh, Liz Shermer from Western Washington University uh, talking about the Eniot Fault, which is very important to the stuff I'm doing with the North Cascades group. Uh, she and a grad student seem to think they have some evidence for the Eniot Fault 
being active quite recently, which is a shock to me, and I, I don't really know what to do with that information. Um, the any I, I thought has been dead for more than 45 million years, but um, might need to follow through on that with her. Talking about the cloudy past basilith, etc. Okay, on to Monday morning. So those were just kind of a scattering of uh, talks. I, it wasn't an organized session I was particularly pumped to attend necessarily, but those talks that I mentioned briefly, uh, I enjoyed uh, and aren't really in my current uh, wheelhouse, but uh, will kind of file away for future um, treatment, essentially. Sunday night, I sat at the booth for CWU. So that's a whole nother part of this conference where there's professional development and there's other things. And there are schools with graduate programs who are recruiting graduate students. And so Lisa Ely is our graduate uh, program coordinator uh, in our geology department here at Central. And so Lisa always has a little sign-up sheet. Can you, can you sit and visit with uh, potential students? So it was Lisa and I and, and Hannah Shamlu, who's our brand new volcanology professor who will start next month in Ellensburg, uh, the three of us sitting and visiting with students. And it was, it was busy. And there was a lot of people dropping by, undergraduates who were looking for potential places to be a master's student in geology. And we tried to sell them on coming to Ellensburg. Next morning, OK, well, I was pumped. I was ready to roll now. Pedal, pedal in from the Sabin neighborhood and get there right before 8 o'clock and Basil Tikoff from University of Wisconsin, big fan of him, and he had organized a whole session, meaning the whole Monday morning, a series of talks uh, focused on 100 million years ago and oblique subduction of some oceanic plate along the western margin. And as Basil organized the sessions, uh, in the early morning, it was a bunch of individual little postage stamps of information coming from Nevada and coming from Utah and coming from Wyoming, and everybody sharing their mid-Cretaceous geology, lots of thrust faults, lots of plutons, uh, lots of good dates now on the plutons, all in the neighborhood of 100 million years, plus or minus a few years. The severe uh, orogeny is part of that. And... Uh, before the session began at 8 o'clock, there were just a few of us in the room, the early birds who were really into it. And the guy sitting right in front of me was Spencer Fuston from Houston, who I had uh, showcased last winter, no, last spring, kind of forget, maybe both. Uh, he's the guy that did the resurrection plate work from the University of Houston. The fact that this ocean plate is no longer with us, but it's down there in the mantle. And Spencer came up and recognized my voice or something. I don't know, turned around, came over, and um, enjoyed visiting with him. He presented in the session. I'm now realizing I don't have nearly enough time to go through all these talks. <laughs> that was dumb to think I could go talk by talk. But that whole session, I'll just talk about it in general. And I also met Rich Gashnig from UMass, uh, who did a lot of interesting work in the Idaho Basilisk a generation or a decade ago when he was a PhD student at Washington State. Okay, the point is, Basil put this talk together, and as the morning wore on, the talks became, and this is Basil's design, I think, 
the talks became more broad and less site-specific. And you start realizing that, and of course, I've been on this for a while, and Basil's been on this for a while, and Robert Hildebrand's been on this for a while, and others. There's just mayhem happening 100 million years ago, up and down the western margin of North America, mid-Cretaceous. And by the time we get to the last talk of the morning session, Basil Tikoff himself, he's saying, look, this is, this is an exotic terrain story. This is an insular superterrain collision with the western margin of North America. And he didn't say it out loud, but he's like, whether you like Bob Hildebrand's slab failure model to explain all these plutons, or you like a more traditional view of a volcanic arc or whatever, you need something dramatic to happen 100 million years ago. And he had all these, he just laid it out perfectly. That was one of my favorite talks of the whole trip. Basil Tikoff, University of Wisconsin, got a chance to talk to him the next morning. And uh, he's still committed to this topic and will continue mapping and working with students uh, in the Pacific Northwest. So Basil is going to be more and more of a key guy for me. And I feel like we're on the same page in a certain way, even though he's um, way more uh, involved in, in research and, and uh He's, he's far enough along in his career that he's in a good position to say some convincing things about tying this superterrain story, which apparently is still in, in fantasy land for a lot of people. And certainly Baja BC is still a fringe idea. Crazy to me, but it still is. Anyway, uh, that, that session was a highlight for sure, uh, culminating with, with, with Basil's talk. Bob Hildebrand gave a talk, but it was remote. So, you know, there was this kind of bizarre, um, because of the hell situation that continues, some some did not attend, uh, but they recorded their talk. And then, so you're all just sitting there in this in this ballroom, and the guys, you know, it's, it's basically a, a narrated slideshow. But the bizarre thing is that it was also live remotely, and so occasionally you'd have this voice from somebody in their bedroom uh, coming over the loudspeaker up above. He was like, God speaks, and it was Hildebrand, <laughs> who was, you know, he, he, he was well-timed, and he had some very interesting comments and questions uh, after some of the talks. So it was a, it was a kind of a weird hybrid uh, scene for sure. Okay, get through. So, yeah, I'll just give you a sense of who I listened to in the session, if you like. Uh, Eliz uh, Liz Balgard from Weber State, I think, talking about the severe orogeny in Wyoming. Michael Wells from UNLV enjoyed that talk. Again, Bob Hildebrand with the recorded talk. Jordan Wang, young guy from University of Arizona, talking about he was up in B.C. with the Gravina Belt and the Tayotan Metau uh, terrain. So he was getting closer to Basil Land, as far as I could tell. Uh, Pisatan being sinistral, in other words, left lateral offset, and the fault I'd never heard of in B.C., Chai Kazan or something. <clears throat> so there's a... a that was one of Basil's made points, is that 100 million years ago, there's a, a major change all along the western margin of North America from uh, all these left lateral faults pre-100 million years ago to all these right lateral faults 
since 100 million years ago. And of course, that's still the offset sense today. San Andreas Fault today is right lateral. So there was like a plate reorganization 100 million years ago, along with all this mayhem that happens. Now notes, detailed notes from Basil's talk. Oh my God, multiple pages. I was so excited. Then break for lunch. I had lunch with Jeff Tepper and his wife Carol and Vic Baker dropped by. You know, if, if you're really into this geology stuff, you know these names. And I mean, it sounds like it's 27 people, but that's the weird thing. There's thousands and thousands of people at the conference, but yet there's a, a smaller subset of people that do work that you've connected with in the past. I'm talking about me now. And so in many cases, I've interviewed them or I've dealt with them somehow in video form or at least by email. And so you keep running into the same subset of people. So Bob Miller, Stacia Gordon, those names are familiar to you. That's the dream team. Mike Eddy was not there from Purdue, but Stacia and Bob organized a session about the Eocene in the afternoon. So Monday was a real highlight of a day. Shit, was it Monday? Yeah, it was Monday. So I've only got a few minutes left, but let me continue. Um, Bob talking about Bob Miller, uh, San Jose State. Paul Umhofer also there presiding, uh, talking about three different magmas flare-ups, magmatic flare-ups in the North Cascades, 98 to 86, another magmatic flare-up, 80 to 60, another magmatic flare-up, 50 to 45. Uh, I'm most interested in the 50 to 45. That's the wheelhouse for this winter. I will stop saying the phrase wheelhouse. Sorry about that. Uh, but Bob was kind of giving an overview, uh, and Stacia came in with kind of a similar overview, as I understand it. Not a whole lot of new stuff in there, I don't think, but maybe there was, and I just missed it. Stacia talking about the metasedimentary rocks and the plutons that were all converted into these Skagit Nice units, Napiqua, Schist, etc. Then uh, Aaron Donaghy, great talk. One of the highlights of the conference. So, in other words, I got a double dose of Erin. I heard her talk the Monday afternoon, and then Tuesday morning I saw her poster. I'll save that for another time, but I'm going to be showcasing what she's doing in a major way this winter. But uh, she's got 18 tufts total in the chumstick formation. And she was mostly, mostly gave a talk on the chumstick. Jean Humphreys, mid-afternoon, talking about uh, geophysics, as Gene Humphreys from University of Oregon typically does. He's talking about the Columbia embayment and some interesting ideas about what the Columbia embayment was and continues to be. If you look geophysically, uh, he's got Silesia accreting and the Laramide ends at that time, and there's ignimbrite flare-ups beginning at that time. Is that all Gene? I guess it is. Anyway, there's, there's lots going on 50 million years ago. So if you're losing track, I continue to see 100 million years ago and 50 million years ago being these major um, centers of activity. This, it's an absolute circus. 100 million years ago and again 50 million years ago. And I see that as the arrival of two different large oceanic 
provinces, or large igneous provinces, in the ocean. The Rangelia system adding 100 million years ago, in other words, insular, and Silesia adding 50 million years ago. And I will continue, unless I'm talked off of that ledge, to view it that way. And so the, this, this Monday morning was like, Monday morning was 100 million years ago, circus. Afternoon was 50 million years ago, circus, more or less. Paul Umhofer, which uh, was the first time I'd met him. He's from northern Arizona. He's been deeply involved in this work in the North Cascades for his whole career. Turns out he's from Stoughton, Wisconsin, same athletic conference as Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin, where I'm from. Turns out my mom's boss at Barry Elementary School in Fort Atkinson, Corliss Dietz, is a close relative of Paul, small world, whatever. Why did I include it? Move on. Paul talking about Eocene basins. Paul talking about, oh, Paul also talking about the Colombian Bayman, apparently. Yeah. All right. I only got a couple minutes left. Uh, enjoyed that talk. Bad talk. Moving on. Keegan Schmidt gave a good talk. He's from Lewis and Clark College in Lewiston, Idaho. Uh, talking about the Western Idaho Shear Zone and some, some things related to that in the Idaho Batholith. All right. When's this clown show going to be done? Somebody talking about the Elk City Mineral District. Oh, that one was Keegan. Sorry. Uh, I'll wrap it up with this. Uh, you know, th this is intense, in other words. So I'm, I'm learning a ton. Then I'm walking out in the, uh, out in the hallway. And now I'm, you know, talking to people. People are coming up, saying hi. People of all ages, not just the young folks. Some people know me from the PBS TV thing only. Some people know me only from the, you know, the red bow tie from like 10 years ago. Like, you dropped that hammer. And so th there's a lot of my stuff out there. And, you know, I, I, I'm seeing that, that people are aware of it. But quite usually, it's, it's common for them only to kind of be aware of a subset of it. And, you know, I, my strategy is just, you know, people want to say what they want to say. And that's great. And my instinct is to say, oh, my God, that was like eight years ago. I, I don't do that stuff anymore, but I don't. You know, I want to say, hey, man, there's stuff I've been doing the last two years that I think is exactly uh, perfect for what you're doing. But I don't. There's just it's I don't want to foist stuff on thing, people. Uh, why did I include that? Good question. Uh, oh, yeah. So in other words, it's a lot. And for a solitary person like myself, it's a lot. And so Tuesday morning, I'm like, I think I'm about done. I, I, there's, there's another day and a half of this conference, but I can't handle anymore. There's no more room for input. And I can't handle a whole lot more of this, uh, you know, uh, people tracking me down and talking. So I was there early Tuesday morning for Isaac Larson from UMass talking about cosmogenic so in other words, there was an Ice Age flood session. Oh my God, I got to say it. I have no idea what's going on with the USGS and how they are restricting travel for their employees, but there was nobody from the USGS 
allowed to attend this freaking conference. And Lydia Steich and Jim O'Connor and uh, Richard Waite and others who I was excited to directly deal with, they live a few blocks away. They could not come to this freaking thing. Outrageous. Anyway, Richard Waite showed up, you know, and had to, like, say, I'm just doing this for fun. This is not my job or what. He had to give some sort of lame comment to, like, get him off the hook for being there. Hope he didn't get in trouble for me saying this. It doesn't matter. He's he's old enough to take care of himself. Uh, I do need to wrap this up. Isaac Larson talking about getting, in the Ice Age flood session, getting dates from exposed basalt in the Scablands at Drumheller Channels on Babcock Bench and someplace up in the Telford Crab Creek track. He's using helium and barium uh, beryllium isot exposure ages, so isotopes in other words. I don't understand how he does it. He was hoping to find distinctly different ages of stripped surfaces in the Scablands to reinforce Brett's observation, uh, you know, more than 60, 70 years ago, approaching 100 years ago now that I think about it, for evidence of, of older weathered surfaces in the basalt Scablands versus lower, fresher surfaces. In other words, Brett's surmised that there, were, there, there was more than one flood and he could see evidence for different aged floods just from the way the basalt scab land looks in some of these places in eastern Washington. Larson was collecting basalt samples and trying to uh, document how long those basalt services have been exposed to cosmic rays with mixed uh, answers, but his dates were all coming less than 20,000 years ago. Uh, Joel Gombiner, really great talk on Moses Cooley and some thoughts, but it's confusing, and he admits it, and I talked to Joel outside of the conference the night before, and he's like, well, there's still... I thought I could do something significant with Moses Cooley. I still can't, really can't do it. Bruce Bjornstad gave a talk, 840. Richard Waite from not the USGS, just private citizen Richard Waite talking about positioning the margin of the Okanagan Lobe in the Upper Grand Coulee. Those guys are all on a field trip right now up in the Upper Grand Coulee. Atwater, Baker, Waite, O'Connor, Bjornstad, Sky Cooley, etc. Okay. Scott Burns, I think, was the last talk I listened to. He didn't need a microphone. Scott is so enthusiastic. He's from Portland State uh, talking about the Lake Ridge erratic, uh, kind of a mysterious rhyolite flood-rafted erratic. Okay, so, um, and then I just, I like, I'm done. I'm done. I bought a couple books, and I'm like, I got out of there and uh, checked out of my Airbnb and drove home and have rested up and now ready to get back to the grind here uh, at school, and we'll follow up by email with many of these folks. Um, so it was an exciting conference, lots going on, too much. What a whirlwind it was for just basically three days, but it felt like um, lots. If you were at the GSA Portland meeting, hope you had a good time. If you aspire to go to some of these meetings, uh, I think you can go. Well, I know you can go. It just costs way too much. I don't get the cost thing. 
to be honest, I think you could just sneak in. You just walk in the door, act like you belong there. Um, they don't really check that much. So put that in the back of your mind for future GSA meetings. If you're super into geology and there's an annual geology meeting in your neck of the woods, I think you can go. Just walk in. Thank you for listening to this episode. I love you. And goodbye.